Today's topic, theme, is called Thanksgiving Sunday. And for clarity, some of you might not know this. Uh, this has nothing to do with the American version of Thanksgiving. Somebody asked me, uh, why are we copying the Americans? We're not copying them at all. Okay. We have a tradition in our, fa- in our Willis family that the last Sunday in November is our Thanksgiving Sunday. And what we do with this Thanksgiving Sunday is we pause and we reflect and we look back over our year and we say thank you to God. And, and from the beginning I want to say this is not a moment where we boast about how great we are as a church. If that's what you're hearing tonight, please um, just want to be really, really clear. We're not lifting up the name of any person or any church in this evening. What we are doing, we are highlighting some of the things that God has done in and through us as a church. And in doing that, we want to honor Him and say thank you, God. So tonight looks a little bit different. It's not going to be your normal sermon as you might be familiar with. So if you're visiting us, I'm so sorry. You're welcome to come back next year or join us next Sunday morning. Um, But it looks a little bit different. And there's certain things that I want to highlight from us as leaders and, and our staff, just some of our highlights. You might have some other personal highlights, but the first thing that we want to celebrate as a church and want to thank God for is our spiritual family. The last three years have taught us that we cannot take for granted the privilege of gathering as a spiritual family. I don't know if you remember this, but last year this time, there were still restrictions on our gatherings. There was still seating had to be arranged in a certain way. You couldn't sit next to one. I think it was a meter and a half. I was trying to think about the ratios of last year. How many people were permitted to be in a venue like this? And I might be wrong, but I think we're currently packing almost double the amount of chairs than we did last year this time. There's something in valuing gathering as a church. You as an individual will always have the privilege of walking in a personal relationship with Jesus, but there's something about God that we'll only discover in the community of believers. And we want to highlight, and we want to say thank you, thank you, God, that we could have a year of just gathering as a church, uninterrupted, un, without any restrictions. This past Friday, we had our uh, Carol's evening, and some of you were here. Thank you for joining us. Um, what many people don't know, we've been planning to do a Carol's evening for the last three years. And just because of everything that's happened in the world, we couldn't do it. We had to cancel and cancel and cancel. And for the first time in three years, we could do something like a Carol's event. We don't just want to go, oh, great event, let's continue. We want to go, thank you, God. Thank you that we can gather. We've seen significant growth in us as a church. Now, if I mention a couple of numbers, it's not that we're chasing numbers. We want to thank God through this. But I don't know if you know this, but currently on a Sunday on this premises, we average between 650 and up people being ministered to. 650 people. Now, some people might listen to that and go, that's not much. 
If you know where we started, if you know what God has done in a year, this is significant. I wish you could see on a Sunday morning the kids running around. Now, as a dad, I'm just so thankful our church has got a kids ministry because I want, to, I want them to know Jesus and grow up and follow Jesus. We've got faithful people. Some of you are ministering in our kids' church. I want to say thank you. Thank you for being willing to minister into the future leaders. One day when you're going to be old as I am, my kids are going to be on campus. I'm so thankful that we're a church that prioritizes multi-generational ministries. The youth started joining this service. It has had a massive impact on our youth ministry. And I want to thank you guys for the way that you've embraced the youth to be part of this service. We've just seen growth through our youth ministry. Some of you are ministering at our youth ministry. We're just so, so thankful. Thankful what's happening in this service. None of you realize this, but from this service, we sent out leaders and other people to our Linwood congregation. There was a moment earlier this year where we sent Gideon and a couple of LG leaders and some people that went with them to strengthen our Linwood congregation. It's great being generous and they are doing fantastic work in Linwood. But we've seen, continued to see growth in this service. And we're just so thankful for spiritual family. We've had the privilege of having various women's events and men's events. And some of you have attended these events this year. Some of you have been ministered to. And the reason why we highlight these events is not just because we had events, but we've seen people's lives changed. We've seen so many times this year baptisms taking place. Baptisms is significant for us because that is such a public proclamation that someone says, my life has changed for Jesus. And I, out of obedience of following Him, want to obey Him in the act of being baptized. We can celebrate that people's lives have changed. We can celebrate that people came to salvation because of what we do as a church. And we give God honor. Some of you are sitting here, and your life changed significantly this year. I want to highlight and celebrate our volunteers. Currently, there's 292 people volunteering in our church. 292. That includes you that are ministering and volunteering. And I want to be really, really frank. We would not be able to be the church that we are if it weren't for you that are willing to volunteer. Tonight's not just a thank you for God. I really want to honor every person that serves in this church. The heart behind serving is not just so that we can keep people busy. It's not so that we can help the staff have an easy Sunday. But every area of serving, the heart is so that others may experience God. When you minister uh, and pray for someone, well, I hope they experience God. But I hope as well, if they go outside and they drink coffee, they experience something about the love and character of God because of the way that we welcome and greet and help people. Thank you for serving in this church. If you're currently serving, don't you just want to quickly raise your hand? Let's give them a massive hand.
thank you in being faithful in your serving. And I really do hope that people experience God because of the way you're serving. I want to say thank you for the way that we've, you've embraced the merge this year of our old Dadville congregation, our Willis Church. I know for some people it was really difficult. Some people struggled with it. And we've still got some aches and pains to grow through. But a couple of weeks ago, uh, one of our international leaders visited us, and he just gave us some insight on how difficult it is to merge two churches. And we can, with grateful hearts, stand tonight and say, God has been with us. I'm thankful for what God has, how God has graced us so that we're still one church. Thank you for your heart and your humility in this. And then I want to say thank you to each one of you that has invited someone to church this year. Just the way that we build, the way um, we believe God has called us to be as a church, the way we believe we should minister, we don't primarily grow through great sermons and worship services. Hopefully you'll experience great sermons. Hopefully you'll have great moments of worship, but that's not our main priority. Our main priority is to be a disciple-making church, and that means we grow through every person being a minister and being a witness for Jesus. And as we testify tonight that we've grown as a church, it's a testimony that you were faithful in being a witness. Thank you for inviting people. Some of you sitting here tonight has been invited. Would you thank that person that invited you? It can be daunting. Thank you for inviting them to church. Thank you for inviting them to victory training or wherever you've invited them to. Thank you for inviting them into spiritual family. And some people stick and some might choose something else. But thank you for taking the courage and the boldness to invite people, to be a witness for God. We celebrate tonight that we are a disciple-making church. Again, I want to share some stats with you. Currently, we've got 244 connect groups in our church. Now, if you just use your imagination and you think that in those connect groups, let's hope there's two people in every connect group, then we can confidently say tonight that there's almost 500 people that's being discipled because of this church. 500 people that is walking an intentional relationship with someone else and helping them to grow to become the men and women that God created them to be, to become more like Jesus, to walk in the freedom that Christ has offered us. Men and women that's laying foundations in other people's lives. From this, we're celebrating that we're close to 200 connect group leaders. Now, again, I want to highlight we're not a church that builds around full-time staff. We're a church that builds around the idea that every person is called to be a minister of the gospel. This stat tells us it's happening. I want to thank every connect group leader that is leading someone else in a connect group, that is discipling someone else. Thank you for taking up the responsibility that Jesus has placed on our lives of being a disciple and a disciple maker. Thank you for faithfully gathering. Thank you for laying foundations, and thank you for being willing to go to those difficult areas that we'll have to go to in discipleship. Thank you for continually pitching up, even when others aren't faithful. It's not about stats, but this tells us that we are not just a disciple-making family in our vision, but in our practice. Thank you 
for being part of our connect groups. I want to share some of our stats with our trainings that took place this year. This year, we had the privilege of ministering to 229 people through Victory Training. Now, just to give you an idea, we only do this four times a year. That's roughly, and don't, don't rebuke me on my mass, but it's, it's between 60 and uh, 65 people at a Victory Training. Don't know who of you have been at one of our Victory Trainings. That's a massive amount of people to minister to on a weekend. Thank you for those of you who are serving at our Victory Trainings. Thank you for every one of you that came and prayed with someone. Thank you for every one of you that's part of our intercession team. And the reason why we emphasize this, because it's not about the number, it's about what happens behind the number. 229 people, we believe, experience freedom in Jesus because of our training. 229 people discovered something that God has in store for them. In our Making Disciples training, we had um, 67 people attending. In our Quip school, uh, those of you who don't know, it's a six-week school during the May and June. 183 people attending this. Our Discipleship Conference, again, 180 people attending this. Why do I mention this? We want to celebrate that there's close to 200 people in our church that's been equipped to be ministers of the gospel. That's what this tells us. Those of you who've made yourself available to grow, thank you. I shared this morning, uh, someone in my wife's connect group uh, shared with her that someone else challenged her in terms of where do you see yourself in the next year? All of us have certain goals. Where do you see yourself in your relationship in the next year? Where do you see yourself in your career next year? Um, Some of you are just thinking, I just want to pass this exam. Well, that's okay. Where do you see yourself? in this spiritual family in the next year? What faith goal are you putting out for yourself? Are you dreaming about what God can do through your life? And how are you making yourself available to grow in that area? I'm thankful for the training. I thank you for everybody that is serving there. Like I mentioned, we celebrate our generational ministries tonight. Uh, I mentioned our kids and our youth. But how thankful are we that there's been a year that campus has fully worked and we can actually have a campus ministry that ministers to students on campus. You can be excited about that. Ish. And I know it's not just staff that's ministering on campus. It's some of you that's actively part. It's part of our society. It's being on campus, being with students. Thank you. We're excited. We know that this is a baton that God has entrusted us with that we cannot drop. If you were here last week, you would have heard Christian speak into the heart of multi-generational ministry. We can testify tonight that we're seeing God doing something through every generation. I want to highlight and thank every person that's been faithful with their finances. I cannot tell you what a privilege it is to lead a church like this and not having to ask people for money. If you're part of our church, you would know and you would pick up fairly quickly. We don't take up tithes and offerings when we gather and there's nothing wrong doing that. I don't want to speak about other churches and the way they do it. I just want to be really clear about who we are and why we do what we do. When this church was planted, we believe God spoke to us and said, we're not going to ask tithe and offerings. And 
in the last 17 years, I think, of Every Nation Swanee, we've never had a tithe and offerings moment. But we do speak about it. We do preach about it. We believe that through discipleship, people walks in a relationship with Jesus to a place of lordship where He becomes Lord over your life in every area of our life. And where we speak about finances is the lordship of Jesus. Thank you to every one of you, whether how small it might be, just for being faithful in your finances. It's such a privilege to see how God has graced us financially, especially this last year. We've been able to, do, to commit to all our financial obligations. None of you know this, but 10% of all our income we, go to, we give to every nation of South Africa. It's the same principle. We're tithing into the family where God has added us. Above that, we're giving into our citywide church because we want to see all our congregations flourish. There's a fairly small percentage of our budget that goes to us as a church because we can be generous as a spiritual family because people like you are generous towards God. Thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. This year we've been able to continue to support some of our social responsibility projects. We've been able to support families and individuals in our church that's gone through really difficulty because of your faithfulness. We've been able to continue to support our church plants, and I'm going to mention them now in a moment. But just for a moment, I want to highlight one of our SR projects. Now, through our generosity, we've also been able to start our bursary program happening this year, next year. Something we're really excited for and thankful for. One of the projects that we're excited about is Project Tsepu. Now, some of you might know of this project. Some of you, this might be new. But around about August last year, we started this project in Nalmapias, a community really close to our church. And it's an after-school program. And we've seen this last year that through people going on a weekly basis to help children in the after-school program, that we've seen through this project already five connect groups started with these children. From these five connect groups, seven children have started to become part of our family. We've seen fairly recently that one of them even getting baptized in our church. We know of nine committed volunteers. Every week, they're going to this community, serving these children, and making a difference in our Nalmapias community. We're thankful. Those of you who are part of this project, those of you who are financially partnering with, with us, thank you that we can do this. I want to highlight our, our church plants this morning I got emotional about this. But I don't know if you realize the privilege of being involved in what God is doing in the nations. I believe one of the greatest dangers that any church face is to become so focused on personal growth and the people in front of you that you miss God's heart for the nations. We're thankful that as a Willows congregation we're actively involved in at least three church plants. Currently, we've got Philip and Marijke that was sent from this church, um, leading our church plant in, in Utrecht, in Netherlands. I cannot tell you guys how proud I am of them. They are sons and daughters of this church that said yes to the call of God. 
moved in 2019. Now a couple of years later, they are doing a phenomenal, phenomenal job in Europe. If you know what's happening in Europe, churches are, 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 are getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Christianity is facing a massive challenge in Europe. I can with so much confidence testify tonight that this church in Utrecht has grown. They've seen through discipleship more and more people being added. And they are at a place where starting February, they are not just going to come together bi-weekly as a church because they've grown to a place where they can actually start gathering on a weekly basis for a worship service like this. We... We are currently in the process where we're searching for a bigger venue for them to gather. Churches are moving out of their venues into smaller venues in Europe. What is happening through this church plant is an absolute miracle. And you're part of it. Sitting here tonight, being part of this family, you're part of it. Next year we're going to go on missions to help and support them. I want you already to start to dream to go there. I'm going to speak about Yanni and Wesley, which you know really well. Last year, August, we as a, as a citywide church faced a real crisis when we lost one of our leaders and for various reasons. And we, we looked at Maputo and we said, well, we cannot leave this. This is just one of the places we know God has called us to as a, as a church. What are we going to do? And we, we came to Yanni and Wesley and we said, guys, would you consider praying about going to Maputo? Not next year. Not 2023, like in the next month. And they said, yes. I cannot tell you how proud I am of them saying, yes, we'll go. And they went into an extremely, extremely difficult situation. And they faced some real challenges in this last year. Do you know what? They've been so so faithful. They've been starting to reach students on campus in Maputo. They are starting to grow as a church. Again, they are moving, they're considering moving out of their home into a different venue because of what's happening there on campus. They have committed to bring a couple of students to next year's World Conference. If I look back at what we've tried to do in the last couple of years in Maputo and I've seen what they are doing now, I'm just so thankful for what God is doing through this church. Some of you have been on missions there this year. And we're going to continue to go on missions to Maputo. It's fantastic what's happening there. We're actively involved in, in East Africa through our region and specifically Kampala. And you would know that we've got a mission team going out to Kampala in the next, uh, to Uganda in the next couple of weeks. Most of this team is part of this congregation. We're thankful that we can go and help and support Ronald and his team there and what needs to happen in East Africa. We're thankful that we can be part of this. It's such a privilege to know that God is using us in the nations. And as we look back over these highlights this last year, we not want to build up any other name but the name of Jesus. And we want to say, God, thank you for your grace and your blessing over us as a church. May you help us to continue to be a blessing. So I want to ask you where you're sitting. Would you take a moment and just thank God? on behalf of this spiritual family. Just thank God for any one of the points that I mentioned now. Just say thank you, God, for what you're doing, just in your own words.
Father, we thank you that you saw us worthy of being used. Thank you that you've used us in our imperfections and our challenges and our own difficulties in such a way that we can celebrate tonight that you have moved through us as a church. Lord, thank you for every good thing that has happened this year, every good thing that we can celebrate. And Lord, in this moment, we're laying all these accolades, if we can, at your feet, and we say, Lord, it's not about us. It's about you. Lord, as you said to Abraham, I will bless you so that you will be a blessing unto others. Tonight, as we lay these things at your feet, we ask, Lord, may you continue to bless us so that we may be a blessing unto others, unto each other, but also unto nations. This we pray in your wonderful name, Lord Jesus, because you alone are worthy. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. And all of us say, Amen. So being thankful is important. I know I might have lost some of you in the stats, but it's important to be thankful. There's a reason why parents try and teach their children to say thank you. Because this world, we cannot take for granted. We're not entitled to anything. We need to realize that things doesn't just happen. Who of you have ever done something for someone else and they've just never said thank you? And how does it make you feel? Recently, uh, um, my wife and I had a conversation. I, I helped someone. It's not someone in our church. I helped them with something very specific. I want to be vague. Um, I helped them. And I wasn't expecting them to say thank you. But when they didn't say thank you, it was like, what? It was, it was like, I, I didn't do it to get a thank you, but it's just, it was such an obvious. <laughs> I don't know how to phrase it well. It's like you, you invite somebody to, over to your place and you, you have this amazing dinner, great time, and they leave and they just never send you that text that says, hey, thank you, I had an awesome time. You just don't hear about them. And you're sitting there and you're wondering, did I do anything wrong? Didn't I enjoy the food? Uh, did I have enough food? It's just, you, you expect people to say thank you. Because thank you is powerful. Thank you is a form of acknowledgement. It's important that we say thank you to God. But what does it mean to be thankful? Now Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. I love this scripture. Last week we saw all the musicians in our church. And I, and I used the scripture. There's something about the scripture that I believe there's a secret. Every time, always, we have the presence of God with us. But there's something about entering the presence of God through thankfulness. This is a deeper connection to God's when we enter through thankfulness. It's something we experience and gain from being thankful. But what does it mean to be thankful? In general, I believe if we were to ask the question here tonight, share with someone what do you believe, what is thankfulness, I think most of us would say something like, thankful is to show gratitude towards someone for something that you experienced or received. I think that would be Fairly our response to what does it mean to be thankful. It's to, it's to be thankful, to show gratitude because of what you've received or experienced. And there's nothing wrong 
with this expression of thankfulness. I believe we should say thank you. I think we should say thank you for what we received and what we experienced. But when it comes to God, maybe thankfulness needs a little bit more than just saying thank you. If you have your Bibles with you, I would love you to turn to Matthew 2. Matthew 2, if you grew up in church, you would be familiar with this story. If you're familiar with the Christmas account, you would know the story of the three wise men. Have you heard the story? Awesome. Okay. So Matthew 2, verse 1 and 2. Let's read together. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Now, just want to pause here for a moment. Don't want to shatter your Sunday school upbringing. But three wise men? It's unbiblical. Nowhere does the Bible say it's three. It's just wise men. Somewhere someone went, there's three gifts. It must have been three men. What the Bible tells us, there was a group of wise men. Okay. And this is what they were saying when they entered Jerusalem. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw the star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now if we continue. I want to really encourage you to go and read the story further. We don't know if it was one. Well, we know it wasn't one. It was men. So it was at least two, but it might have been more than two. What we do know is when they entered Jerusalem, people were aware aware of it. Which makes me think it must have been more than three people. In fact, their arrival caused so much interest that the current leader of the Jews, King Herod, found out about these wise men, and he inquired, why are they here? What are they doing here? And then they told him, we're looking for the king of the Jews. Now imagine you're being the, the leader, and you're hearing there's someone else that's going to be the leader. So naturally, um, Herod was offended. And he calls the scribes and the Pharisees, and he asked them, well, what's the prophecy about the Messiah? And they would tell him, well, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. And then he goes to this wise man and says, well, go to Bethlehem. Follow the star. When you find the king, report back to me. I want to also bring him honor. Now, if you know the story, you know this is a lie, and that he was just planning to kill Jesus. But the fact of the matter is, this arrival of these men was significant enough that it caused a stir in Jerusalem. It wasn't just two random people that walked into a service like this. There was a group. Sort of they drew people's attention. The city knew something was happening. And then we read verse 10 and 11. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. Now, I'm sure we know the story. But have you ever thought about the significance of this story? Why was it included in the Bible? What is significant about this? 
Why is it included in the Gospel of Matthew? And why is it important for us today? If we for a moment stand still with these wise men, we know very little about them. But there's certain things that we do know. And I want to highlight these things. They were not Jews. And this is really important. They were not Jews. Therefore, they have never heard or they would not be familiar with the Jewish prophecies of the Messiah that would come and bring restoration for the nation of Israel. They weren't expecting a Savior. They weren't in need of a Savior. They weren't waiting for the Messiah. They are not Jews. The second thing, they are also referred to as, as Magi, which means priests and experts in mysteries. They were men of, of significance. People looked up to them. We also know that they came from the east, most probably from a kingdom spanning from modern-day Iraq and Iran. So they traveled a long distance to get to Jerusalem and eventually Bethlehem. And the fact that they are referred to as wise men tells us that they had some form of significance and influence. Now, I look at this. I know they're not Jews. They're not expecting the Messiah. They traveled an enormous amount of miles to get to where they are. They are these noble men in a certain sense, or men of dignitaries. And I ask the question, why? Why would they do this? Why would these non-Jewish dignitaries travel so far to see the new king who's not their king? Why would they travel to see the king of the Jews? It's not even their nation. It's not even their ethnicity. Why would they go through all this effort to see a king of a different nation? And when they find him, why do they rejoice? Why do they bow down and worship him? And then ultimately, why, why do they lay down their treasures? Why do they give this gold and frankincense and mirror? I mean, think about it. Put yourself in their shoes. Here you get to Joseph and Mary's place. First surprise, it's not a palace. You're expecting a king being born. You get to this place and it's not a palace. And you think, well, this is odd. Then you enter and you meet Joseph and Mary. And you go, Really? There's, there's, nothing, there's nothing significant about them. They were really ordinary. They were just like any other Jew. There's nothing that stands out about this family. They're not living in this grand palace. They're not living in this royalty. They're normal. They weren't from, from noble background. Why? And in this moment when Jesus was so small, there's nothing that Jesus can do for them. There's nothing for them to gain from this moment. In this moment, Jesus can't bless them. He can't reward them. It's nothing. They, as these noble dignitaries, can gain nothing from this act of worship. So why did they do it? 
could have probably gotten there to Joseph and Mary and gone, we might have made a mistake. Let's keep the gold, give them the mirror. They could have. But they fall at their feet, bow before this insignificant family, and they worship him and they lay down really expensive treasures. Why? They have nothing to gain from Jesus. He's not even their king. See, their worship or expression of honor to Jesus was not based on anything that Jesus has done. Because at this stage, Jesus has not yet done anything. So their honor is not based on what he's done. Their honor for him is based on what they believed about him. They did not fully understand it. They didn't know the prophecies of the Messiah. They didn't have this expectation that, we come, that he would come and liberate them. But they knew there was something significant behind his life. And even in this moment, they couldn't fully comprehend that he would be the son of God. But they knew there was something significant about this young boy. And they believed it so much that they were willing to lay down their treasures. See, if we only honor and worship God out of gratefulness for what He, done, what he has done, then our thankfulness might be based on God's performance. If we only honor and worship Jesus for what He has done in our lives, if we only show gratitude and thankfulness for what He's done, then, in a sense, we're limiting our thankfulness towards God based on what He has done for us. And in a sense, His performance. However, when it comes to God, thanksgiving is more than just saying thank you for what He has done. It is acknowledging what we believe about Him. It's acknowledging that we believe He is God and we are not. Even when He hasn't done what we've expected, even when we don't receive what we hope for, we thank Him, we acknowledge who He is and what we believe about Him, not just for what He's done. And we acknowledge God, you're God, and I'm not. In our thankfulness, we acknowledge His goodness and His faithfulness that we believe, not just have seen. We acknowledge our dependence on Him. We say, God, apart from you, I believe, apart from you, I am nothing, and I can do nothing. Thank you for who you are. Our thankfulness is a proclamation that I trust you. My hope is in you. See, being thankful is an act of humility where we lay ourselves down and we say, it's not about us, God, it's about you. Being thankful it's nothing else than worship to God for who He is, not just what He has done. Psalm 50 verse 23 says, The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. I love this, this picture of, um, of being able to thank God as a sacrifice. How many of you know it's easy to say thank you 
when what you receive is great. It's just a natural response. Oh, thank you. It's not a sacrifice. When you had this amazing Christmas dinner, wherever that might be, you just go, oh, thank you. It's not a sacrifice to eat. When does thankfulness become a sacrifice? It's when we don't receive what we hope for. And the scripture says, the one who offers thanksgiving as a sacrifice glorifies me, honors me, worships me. Because that's the moment where we acknowledge God for who he is, not just for what he has done. It's important that we thank him for what he's done. But it's important that we also acknowledge him for who he is. See, thanksgiving is worship unto God based on what we believe about God. If you believe that He is who He says He is, the natural outflow of our life should be one of thanksgiving. And if we think about the birth of Jesus, this is a reminder that we as children of God always have something to be thankful for. If we enter this festive season, if we turn our eyes to the birth of Jesus, it's a reminder that because of Jesus, there's always something for us to be thankful for. Because Jesus, who was fully God, was willing to give up all his rights and become man, a human being. And we read from the Bible that he went through every suffering and temptation that we go through in this world. And in spite of that, he did not sin. He lived in complete obedience to God, honoring God in every way. He lived the life that we couldn't live. And because of that, he became the ultimate sacrifice. He was the only one worthy to take our place on the cross. And when he died in that moment, it wasn't just a death on the cross. It was the punishment of the sins of the world that God placed on him, including my and your sin. And Jesus took that weight upon himself. He took that punishment on himself. He became the sacrificial lamb. See, in Christmas time, we don't just celebrate the birth of Jesus. We celebrate God's redemptive plan in action. In that moment when he became man, that was the moment where we knew, now looking back, that he already knew that he would die for us. Because of his death, he defeated sin. And through his resurrection, he proved that I am who I say I am. And I'm the son of God. And I offer new life for everyone who believe in him. If you believe in Jesus, there's always a reason to be thankful. Because that belief in him as our Lord and Savior changes everything. That belief in Him tells us that regardless of what you might go through in this world and circumstances you might face, nothing can take away that you are a son and daughter of God. Nothing will change it. That's the ultimate identity that stands over your life. It's affirmed that He loves and accepts us. That you are loved by God. No matter what form of rejection you might face in this world, God already, the highest authority, the ultimate Lord of Lords, says, I love you. And nothing will separate you from my love. There's a reason to be thankful. Because of Him, we have forgiveness of our sins. So no matter how much you messed up, there's always forgiveness. 
And because there's forgiveness, there's always the possibility of a restored life. A new life in Him. Because of Him, we can find rest for our souls. We can be satisfied in Him. We can experience His provision and His healing because of what He's done. Therefore, we go through difficult moments with a hope. Can you imagine facing a life-threatening disease and there's no hope of an almighty creator who can save you? Have you ever thought about people that don't know Jesus and how they go through the difficulties of life, facing this impossible financial crisis, facing this really difficult relational struggle, facing death and sickness, and they have no hope that there's a God that come and do the impossible and change their circumstances. As children of God, we can always be thankful for hope because nothing is impossible for God. And whatever you might be facing tonight, God is greater than that. What a great confidence that gives us. Can we be thankful, Jesus, that regardless of what I might face, you are with me. We have a hope. We have a peace because of his presence. We have a joy. Not just emotions of happiness, but the joy of Christ in us. Because of God, we are never alone. I know some of you might be sitting here tonight and you might face moments of loneliness. But God gave us His Spirit. When Jesus became man, when He was born, He became Emmanuel, God with us. That means never, ever again will we be alone. God is with us. God is with you. Even when you feel you're far from God, God is with you. We can be thankful because of what He has done. He says, you can come to me with great confidence. See, regardless of our circumstances, what we're facing today, the message of the birth of Jesus says there's always something that we can be thankful for. Not just because of what He's doing in our lives now, but because of who He is and what He's already done. And tonight we want to celebrate that. Tonight we want to end off by celebrating who God is. And Jesus installed the sacrament of communion. And just before He was captured and where He would have been killed, He said to His disciples, I'm going to share with you something that you should do in remembrance. Who of you know that we as people are easily to forget? And Jesus says, you're going to need to remember who I am. And Jesus took the bread. And he broke the bread. With his friends gathered around him, he said, well, as you see me breaking this bread, may it be a reminder of my body that's going to be broken for you. May it remind you of my body that took the penalty of sin in your place. You are forgiven. I've stood in your place. And Jesus took the wine and he said, this is my blood. This is a symbol of my blood. 
And when you use it, it's a reminder that because of my death and my resurrection, there's new life. It's because of my blood that there's new life for you, a new destiny, a new significance. And in using these two things, it's a reminder of who Jesus is. Not just the God hanging on the cross, but the risen King at the right hand of the Father. And that God says, I am with you. You're never alone. So tonight we want to say thank you. And if there's great things that you can celebrate, if you look back over this year and you say, God has come through there and God has provided there and God has done this, please do celebrate that and be thankful for that. But even if those things aren't there, can you still go and say, thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you that I can enter into the end of the year, into next year, knowing that you are with me, you are faithful, you are who you say you are, nothing will change that. Before we share in communion, I want to use this opportunity because it's easy to be thankful when you can look back and you say, God has been faithful, God has done this, God has provided there, but it's difficult when you're facing a storm, when you're going through a really difficult season, when you've gone through disappointment and you've been hoping for stuff and you just haven't seen it, it's difficult in those moments to go, I still trust you. And if you're sitting here tonight and you've You've had a really rough year. Maybe you lost family. Maybe you lost friends. And even going into this season of celebrating, it's just daunting for you. If that's you, I want to pray for you. I want to ask that you be brave. For a moment, can we just switch off the lights, please, guys? There's nothing to be shameful of when you go, I need you, God. So if you know, you've gone through an incredibly difficult year, and tonight's just difficult for you to be thankful, I want to ask that you will stand. Not to expose you, but in this moment, you are not alone. So if that's you, I'm going to give you a moment to stand. Can I ask, again, this is not to expose you, but you are not alone. Standing here tonight, you are with spiritual family, and I believe the Spirit of God wants to minister to you. And I want to ask people close to those who are standing now, you would gather around them. And it's just for the next couple of minutes. Would you pray for them? Just speak into their lives. And those of you who are not next to someone who's standing, I want to ask that you would intercede and pray for family and friends that you know has gone through a difficult year. So let's just pray now.
Yes, Lord God. By the authority that we have in your name, Lord Jesus, we appeal to you, Father, in this moment that you would, by your grace, just send your spirit. That you would come and touch people now, Lord. You know exactly what they've gone through. You know the heart sore, the disappointments, the struggles, Lord. And we pray now that by your spirit that you would come and make them aware of your presence. Holy Spirit, you are the spirit of comfort. I pray for them to experience your comfort in this moment. And that you would make them aware that you are with them even when they feel far from you. And Lord, those of them who are trusting you for restoration and healing and provision, Lord. We pray that by your grace that you would come through to them. But Lord, in this moment, I pray for the gift of faith. That they will be able to arise above their emotions and their circumstances. And in faith proclaim that you are their king. And that you are good and that you are sovereign. And for you, nothing is impossible. So Lord, as they're standing here tonight, I pray that you would see them. And that you would lift them up. Lift up their souls. Restore the joy that we have in you. And by your grace, Lord, would you come and touch their hearts. We pray this and ask this in your wonderful name, Lord Jesus.